follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Shad. I am doing good. Ah, great to hear it. We want to thank you all for being here with us. Get our shout-outs out there first and foremost. The first one's going to be to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code. Mm, excuse me. That's not part of the promo code. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C and Corners Capital P and Podcast. Save ten percent off your order. And if you happen to be across the pond from where we live in the states, if you're in Europe, Collar and Elbow just launched their European store. So, and along with a, I, they're 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 marketing their one of their new shirts with Virgil. So. If if you're wondering if you're missing out with that Olive Garden, you can get yourself a Virgil shirt, I guess. Is that is that true? What's that? It, it did. Are they really marketing with, with Virgil? Well, it, they they have a shirt, and they've got they've been putting up some pictures of Virgil wearing it. So. Oh, I see. I want a Virgil shirt. <laughs> it just says, "Get that Olive Garden." Yes, or even like just I'd even do like a million dollar champion one. Oh, you could do two of those. You could do one of them with uh, with Virgil's name on it and one of them with DiBiase's name on it. Because we, we've kind of talked about that. I know it's like a meme to make fun of him, but like our our encounters with him, especially as like Ted DiBiase's bodyguard, like he's not bad at what they use him for. No, he he's a he's kind of a position player and you need people like that. Yeah. Alright, so we've got another shout-out to do, and for that we're going to give it to Matt. Matt, what's that other shout-out? That would be to Orlando Cologne. Um, I hope Orlando Cologne picked out his pumpkin. I was at the pumpkin patch this past weekend. I did not see him there. (laughs) But I hope he's uh, embraced the season and picked his pumpkin for a fine car. I bet he's a master carver. I think ah, I don't think Trump. I think you have to wait until like Halloween night and instead of trick or treating you have to wait in the pumpkin patch and he'll rise up at midnight. <laughs> um, He's well, the great pumpkin. Yeah. The great pumpkin has to you have to have an iPhone to see it now. That's uh, uh as a quite as a small aside, we're not quite to Halloween yet. That's next week's show, but yeah. one of my favorite robot chicken skits is where the great pumpkin kills Linus. <laughs> and then Charlie Brown <laughs> survives by like tricking it into going near the kite eating tree and it eats it. I vaguely remember that. Um So yeah, we're 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 coming up on 
I guess the most macabre of holidays, if you want to call it that. I mean, I guess you can make about any holiday macabre if you want to work for it. I mean, good lord, they keep trying to put Halloween into Christmas by the Krampus resurgence, but uh, but yeah, we're coming up on Halloween, and um, we're gonna gonna kind of relax a little bit tonight and and do something a little bit different. So, Brad, why don't you why don't you set up for the listeners what we're gonna be doing tonight? So we're we're kind of doing a similar format to the the bag of holding, except we're doing two topics. Because I think they're going to be a little longer form than like the, the more rapid fire bag questions. So our two um, our two topics for tonight is we're going to be ranking our favorite fast food fries, which I think will have some variance between us because of regional differences. But then we also have um, we're going to be talking some music, which I don't think we've actually ever really done on this show before, other than wrestling music. So for that. We're going to be doing a little verses with 80s versus 90s music, and uh, which we prefer and think is better. So it's funny we um, we actually teased fast food fry stuff like way far back. So um, we're we're finally getting around to it. Yeah, if I ever listen to old shows, I'll find something like some side issue that we should have um, we should have gone deeper into, um, and then we never did. So yeah, I get it. Well, if I tell you what, if we ever do that, and for the listeners, if we ever do that, let us know. Um, message us through whatever social media. We've been doing requests. We'll be happy to hear it. And if there's something you want us to dig in, just drop us a line. Let us know. Um, Matt, was do we did we want to share the the news that happened this week for us, or or just let that pass? Oh my God! So this was big. Uh, as we're recording this, it's it's Tuesday, uh, October twentieth, uh, to air on the twenty first. Uh, I I I run. I don't think this is like a secret. I run our Twitter. And I saw a notification uh, when I was looking at the Twitter yesterday that we had a new follower. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, a uh, new follower. And I'm anticipating it's you know just a listener or uh, someone I interact with because I, I follow different accounts on Twitter, uh, people who are in like the, the wrestling fandom community, video game fandom community, all different uh, communities out there. No, it was not any of those people. It was Hall of Famer. Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant <laughs> now, Slaughter now follows our podcast. Uh, at or least his on Twitter. Twitter, or his Twitter handler at least followed us. <laughs> I like to believe it's really Sarge. Um, and I, it literally, it made my day. Um, I have, I like was extolling Sarge's virtues uh, in the last like episode or two. We were yeah. talking about AWF. Like I am a fan of Sergeant Slaughter. I think he's an underrated worker. The only uh, good part of G.I. Joe the movie, other than the amazing opening. That is where I actually became a fan of Sergeant Slaughter to begin with, long before I even got into wrestling. Like, I watched G.I. Joe as a kid, and I love G.I. Joe. To me, G.I. Joe is still my favorite uh, toy line of all time. Um, uh, it would be up there for me. I think Transformers as a toy line beats it out. Uh, that's that's fair. A lot of people would probably rank Transformers as their number one. Uh but yeah, I love G.I. Joe, and he was a prominent part of G.I. Joe. If, if people remember the old cartoon, 
he often uh, introduced like the little vignettes before the episodes, like before yeah. and after. They had like a bumper essentially. And you're right, he was an actual character on the show and a big part of GI Joe the movie. So the fact that uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Hall of Famer, former WWF champion, <laughs> and now friend of the show. I'm gonna say friend of the show, <laughs> Sergeant can, Slaughter. Can we can we take a brief moment? <laughs> Unofficial uh, just, friend of the show. Can we take yes. a brief moment to discuss GI Joe the movie? It doesn't have sure. to be long. Go for but it. Has there ever been such a shitty movie with such an amazing like two minute intro to it? Oh, that that intro is absolutely phenomenal. It's it's fantastic. Like the it's it's a it's a great song, like great action sequence, and mm-hmm. then the movie's just a dumpster fire. I like the movie, but I, I mean, I also was such a GI Joe fan that I yeah, like the movie. It is the in terms of like GI Joe, which the premise, of course, is that. It's a U.S. United States-led uh, military group whose goal is to fight a terrorist organization in Cobra. The premise is it's it's utterly fantastical, even for GI Joe. And by this point, GI Joe had established that you could clone the dead bodies. You could take DNA from the dead bodies of world the world's greatest leaders or conquerors or warriors and create a new human being in Serpentor. Like, so you're already, you're already at like weird science fiction. Yeah. But that, even, even in the like context of that, too. even in the context of that, it's weird. Cause you have an entire like civilization that's allegedly, it's supposed to be like, it predates humankind and their, their technology is completely organic. And yet they all have like a serpent theme and it's just, it's, it's completely bizarre, and you find out like you find out the Cobra Commander is actually one of them, and then it gets turned into a snake. It's the most, it's the weirdest movie ever. Yeah, Roadblock gets blinded. It's, it's a weird <clears throat> movie. You know, then it's it's a disappointment because um, even as an adult, the Transformer movie actually holds up really strong as a <clears throat> as a film. But I think they did a far better. They went more all out for that. I think they spent a lot more money on that and really tried to put forth a good um, product. Yeah. And I think the um, the interesting thing about Transformers the movie is that like, just I know they did it for the toy reason, but there's like there are real stakes in that movie because like in the first like ten minutes they like blow away like just. Dozens upon dozens of Transformers on both sides. Yeah, most of the uh, the characters that I guess has become known as uh, Generation One G One just get slaughtered. Yeah. And I mean, I think the real, the, obviously the real, the real impetus for that was to here's here's a new toy line coming out, Generation yeah. Two. We want you to buy the toys. So we got to get rid of some of these old characters. But even so, like as a kid. I was watching that, and it it was like, oh my god, they just slaughtered like all these Autobots, and then later on, like a bunch of Decepticons get murdered too. An underrated performance. I mean, there's a lot of great performances in that movie, but Robert mm-hmm. Stack as Ultra Magnus is like, I think, a really yeah. great performance. Yep. Okay, so I guess we should get to the topic because we got. Oh, hold on, I went crash, crashing through the sky comes the fearful cry, Cobra. <laughs> that really is like that. I that really is a great opening. It's like if you ever want to watch GI Joe the movie, I recommend just like looking the opening up on YouTube. Yeah, 
I would agree. It's a phenomenal opening. It is. So, uh, what do, do we want to do fries first, or do we want to... That's uh, how it is in my notes. <laughs> okay. So, um... I, um... I so I, I did a lot of thinking about this and like I think I think we're all gonna have the standard like McDonald's, Wendy's and Burger King fries on there. But then I kinda start you know, you get into that weird minutia when you're making a list of like what is and what isn't fast food. Like I was like, Well is steak and shake a um fast food or like is five guy I I decided in my opinion five guys burgers and fries is not fast food. That's fair. Can really? They, well, they, it, they don't have a drive-through. <laughs> yeah, that that was a big. Is that is that what we're I, using as like a metric? No, because not necessarily, but because I feel like I feel like Steak and Shake should not have a drive-through on general principle. Hmm. Yeah, Steak and Shake takes so long to get anything through that it's. You you may as well not have a drive through for it. You know you sit you sit in the line for if there's nobody there you still sit in the line for ten minutes. Because they have so, to cook it. Yeah. So I, I I am perfectly fine with those being uh, omissions. Um, they don't that uh, call them casual dining instead of fast necessarily. Um, fast casual maybe. Uh yeah. But not full fast. Like, that's, that's, yeah, that's how I would look at it. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. So I think for me, my my most inferiorist of fast food fries is Wendy's, because if you can get them fresh, they're decent. But actually getting warm, like, fresh french fries from, like, Wendy's is about like finding a unicorn in the wild. It, yeah, it's it's kind of a challenge. It, it they're all they're not the bottom of the line for me, um, but they're close. I'd put them in my dishonorable mention section because there is um, God, there is just so many times. Okay, so. If you have if you have kids, you know full well that sometimes you just you feed them whatever it is they're willing to actually eat, and that can be a real uphill battle sometimes. My boys, the only chicken nuggets that they'll eat are from Wendy's. Okay, fine, not a big deal. There's one not far from my house that'll work. But getting fries from them by the time we get home they're still they're not that they cool even if they were like fresh fresh ready to go they're still not good by the time we get home and that's yeah, less than cold, five quick. minutes so i am um willing to put wendy's way down low but i will wait for my my bottom line for mac if- Dog. In my in my fatter days, I had more than once in my life gotten a burger from Wendy's and gone to the McDonald's next door and gotten French fries. Huh. <laughs> Is a uh, Wendy's because I haven't ate in Wendy's in like a long, long time. Uh-huh. They're just kind of like steak fries, right? 
No, they went with um they they were they went like a decade ago to these like um natural cut like with sea salt and like they mm. it's always been a struggle with fries from Wendy's but now like you have to deal with if they get if they get cold they're really bad but then you have to deal with when you have natural cut you get those weird like they're it's just like a weird piece of potato skin that they like tossed in there. Mhm. Or there's still skin left on one of the fries, which I don't have a problem with that. It does set them apart, but they just don't cook them real well. Yeah, and and I still go because if you're gonna eat fast food, like I had because I watch because I watch my calories. Like there's a pantheon of like what um, places that are calorie conscious, and um, they still have like good choices like you can still get like a junior bacon for like under 400 calories and just get that in a drink and be okay you can get like a grilled chicken sandwich there so i still go from time to time yeah um when matt when you said you know are they like steak fries imagine I feel like they used to be didn't they they were uh, kind of more so yeah now okay. imagine they're similar but less good yeah, and they're that Wendy's is getting in this weird place where they're like really, they're kind of getting their head up their own butt, and they're trying to be like above fast food, and it's not really working well for them. I don't think, mm-hmm. like their prices are getting really bad, and they're doing these like weird, like fancy burgers that you can't eat in the car. Yeah, the uh, they've got the uh, pub pretzel pub burgers, which it's it's a pretzel bun. And then they've loaded it up with, um, I can't I can't place the sauce off the top of my head, but they have the the uh, fried onion straws on it. Yeah, and and they tried to fancy up the juniors like, which I really don't like because they put like real bacon on it now, and I kind of want the old shitty like ring bacon back and like the <laughs> and like the the buns like you feel like you're biting through like miles of bread to get to the burger now like i kind of miss the old buns that look like someone stepped on it before mm-hmm. like throwing it in there like it's just it's not what it used to be my oldest son <clears throat> this is he... not what i'm used to i know <laughs> it's awful my oldest son if i if i give him a cheeseburger from there he just he'll sit down and he'll rip the bun off of it and just eat the patty yeah, I don't blame him. Like, that top part, like, sometimes you're just like, I would like some hamburger with my, with my butt. So, um, for me, the, the bottom of the widely available, I should say that, that's, that's important. Yeah, but the bottom of the widely available stuff is Burger King fries. Good oh, see, Lord's sake. I disagree. Have you the had bottom? Since... Yeah. Have you oh, had I disagree. fries? Uh, last time I had fries from Burger King was about six months ago. Oh, you don't like the new fries? Like, I think the new fries, like, I'm going to spoil it ahead of time. Like, they would, like, their new fries when they went to the new ones, like, I think those are better than McDonald's. Every time I had, I, you know what, we'll say in the last year, because, um, before... Pre-COVID, um, the world pre-COVID, uh, one of the locations that I would go to for work, Burger King was one of the, the places that was right nearby. So, 
if I had forgotten to pack my lunch or something like that, or if I was in a rush, that would be one place that I could go. They were never good whenever I got them. They just they they were not good at all, and it uh, it's weird. It, that was of quick burger places. That was my dad's favorite when I was growing up, and. I'm starting to wonder if it's just because you know if you get a uh, if you get a whopper from there, they're like, oh, little piece of meat on it, little cheese, little lettuce, onion, mayo. Bunch. <laughs> and um, I'm starting to wonder if that played into it. But, I think yeah. um, I used to love Burger King, and it just gives me like horrible heartburn now. But the ones around me almost universally are not well run, so like it's really just too much trouble to even try if i'm gonna go to burger king and i'm gonna get a sided they're gonna be onion rings that's 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 my <clears throat> rule of thumb their breakfast is okay okay it, it it's better than wendy's breakfast i'll tell you that good night but we're talking about fries so yeah those, I, those are uh, my dishonorables i would I would disagree. I would actually rank Burger King probably middle tier. I don't mind it. Although I have I had full caveat, I, I have not eaten Burger King and I can't even tell you when. Well, like they, it, it's been it's been so long I actually I literally cannot tell you when I last ate it. Mm. I don't I don't go there because now well it gives me heartburn, but even like you're calorie counting there's no good options there like somehow a grilled chicken sandwich there is like 500 calories and it's like how do you how do you how is that possible <laughs> are they grilling it in like lard or butter no because i got one once and i looked it up my calorie count i'm like this thing's 500 calories what the fuck like that's it doesn't even taste that good no for it 500 calories if, it, if i'm gonna have a grilled chicken sandwich it's 500 calories that sucker better be delicious it's not because because wendy's usually wendy's has this problem too but like most of them like it is the driest piece of chicken you'll ever have in your life mm. wendy's counters it by slapping that uh <clears throat> sauce on it that art artisanal sauce or whatever artisanal i don't know uh, I, I think that's a <clears throat> dumb thing to put on a Dumb word to slap on a fast food burger, but yeah. look, I do not like mayo. I enjoy like an aioli dipping sauce, but I like that on the side as something that I might choose to dip my fries into. Uh-huh. Uh, and aioli is uh, different than mayo, and people will try and tell you they're the exact same thing, and they are very similar, uh, but they are not exactly the same thing. So I, I would not consistency. Yeah, I, I, I would not, I, I don't like mayo. So I hate it when, just in general, like whenever some sandwich just like slathers something in mayo. If I'm, if I ever have like a, uh, well, you can't really get the option of fast food, but you ever have like a fast casual place or something where you can actually modify your meal, mm-hmm. I will, I will hands down remove mayo from the equation. Okay, I just do not. I don't blame you. That's one thing I despise about um, Burger King and Subway is also guilty of this. But when they slather your sandwich and stuff, you take a bite of it and like the ketchup or whatever, like just squirts out the other side all over your pants and like you're at lunch. Mm. You're like, well, great. Like, you know, yeah. 
That's why I leave it in the wrapper whenever I eat it. That stuff, that thing's staying in the wrapper until I'm done. And Subway does that sometimes. Like if you get an idiot, like because I've gone to Subway before, and I, I mean I do like mayo, and sometimes like they just keep putting it on. Like could you could you stop putting that on my sandwich, please? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So back to fries. Um. I have a top top four, I think. Wow, that, okay. That well, I mean, you know, what the heck? If we're gonna if we're gonna do it, I wanna try and do it out. But for me in the fourth spot, it, it's interesting because my three and four spots actually sit in kind of a specialty placement, not in a uh, like straight up what you think of it, because I'm not I don't love crinkle cuts. Uh, I, How can I, you not like crinkle cut? <clears throat> Friend of the show Justin Curtis in Canada believes that crinkle cut is the superior cut of fries. Crinkle cut is the second superiorist. The superiorist of fry is the waffle fry. Mm. Well, just hang on, I'll I'll get there. But I actually have a dual entry in my fourth spot, and it is the. For me, they're they're different, but they're close enough that I'm putting them in the same spot. Is the Hardee's or Arby's curly fries? Hmm. Um, I I I like those, but those can get a little weird consistency wise for me. Like you have to cook them just right. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you, but uh, that is the. By and large, my experience with them has been good. The issue I will run into is if they have one that a, a spiral cut that's not separated out well enough and not cooked very well, so you get this big mushy bite with like notches cut in it. I don't. I do, the other thing is I'm not an Arby's person, so like the only time I'm caught dead in Arby's if someone like has made me go to Arby's. Okay. I'm with you, Brian. Yeah, I just... Okay. Well, then you you mentioned this one. I'll go to number four, and I'm going to call out a specific place for it. Or number three, not number four. Call out a specific place for it, but that is the Chick-fil-A waffle fry. Yes, those are delicious. I would rank those fairly high um, on my list. Those are fantastic. I do appreciate the waffle fry. Um, I think that is an... uh, fantastic cut uh and they do it pretty well yes and chick-fil-a sauce is delicious <clears throat> what's your go-to sauce when you go to chick-fil-a because they have multiple ones chick-fil-a sauce mm. all right i don't remember what that's a combination of it's like honey mustard and barbecue i think i don't know something like that but it works yeah now i should clarify that my top four here they're not separated all that much, but there's a little distance between them, but they're decently close. Um, my number two slot's where the McDonald's fry goes, because I don't know if there's, like, nostalgia that rolls into it, or if there's, um, if it's just, uh, if, if there is, you know, if they're consistently, well, the thing they got going is they, they're very consistent. Because we've been talking about some of the others being very inconsistent. 
they're very consistent and they've got their formula figured out just like just like their coke they've got their fries figured out there i the, i've had some well i haven't had mcdonald's in about five years so um but i've had some places have some trouble with the consistency but like their fries never get inedible like some other places yeah, they don't reheat for nothing, but they don't get inedi- inedible, no. Well, and, and McDonald's strength, I think, is they know what they are. They don't try and fancy themselves up or, like, change things like Wendy's does. So, like, you don't you don't end up with something that you used to like where they've, like, tinkered with it to the point that it's, like, unrecognizable to the thing you used to like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're going to try and fancy up, they just introduce something new. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 20 years back and reference the Arch Deluxe, for example. What the fuck is that? Oh, it was. A, I it was a, I do remember that grown-up burger. It was the it was the burger that was for for adults from McDonald's because they had this idea that McDonald's was only for kids. So they 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 had this huge marketing campaign. They went like by this point by that point I think. Jordan and Bird and stuff and Barkley had kind of retired, so they rotated out of being in advertising. So it was like, like Grant Hill, and like there was a commercial. Grant Hill is sitting at midcourt, and it's like the new recruit to whatever team he played for, probably the Pacers. And, and it's it was like the Pistons. If was it the Pistons? Okay, he was. I wasn't that far off. Um, and he goes, you know, we're. We're doing, uh, you know, he's like, have you done this? Have you done this? Yeah. You had an Arch Deluxe? No. You got growing up to do, kid. You know, they, they did the, they did a bunch of that, that sort of thing. Um, so if they, if they, if they are going to try and fancy it up, then they, they add something new. Like you said, they don't try and, and mess with something established. I don't think we've gotten a new Coke out of them. No, I don't think so. I'll I'll sit on my number one for a bit and let you guys talk. What I would rank McDonald's pretty high. Um, I have mine like number one, number two could almost be like a tie. Okay. Uh, but I would because they're I to me they're they're like it's they're very similar fries, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would maybe put McDonald's as number three. Okay. Uh, I am a big fan of McDonald's. It's, it's the consistency is what is key with them. It's it's consistently the same. Uh, I've never. I don't think I've been to a McDonald's. There sometimes you might get like some stale fries. They've been sitting yeah. out all day. But yeah. I've never got a situation where the fries are like burnt or something like that. Like I feel like they have it pretty down and they're tasty. Uh, one thing that I was just, <laughs> I was talking with my wife, she's like, what are you guys going to discuss on the podcast? I'm like, we're going to talk about <laughs> the best fast food fries. And she wanted me to interject and say that, and I don't know if I agree, but maybe you guys do. She said that the type of ketchup actually matters. She said not not all fast food ketchups are the same. I would agree and with I had, that. I had not thought, I had really right. thought about that. She is really, right. I didn't really think about that because I feel... I feel to me like the ketchup is kind of standard, but I'm open to uh, I'm open to being wrong. Well, I think McDonald's does have the best ketchup. That's what she said. 
She's all in on McDonald's having the best ketchup. Now, I am apparently an anomaly. I don't put anything on my fries. Because if I'm going to eat fries, I want to taste the fries. I don't want a golden vessel for transporting ketchup into my mouth. See, it depends on the fry for me because, like, if um, some fries I don't want ketchup on, but, like, if we're going to Five Guys, like, they get they get the treatment, they get the vinegar, and then they get the ketchup. I don't know, put vinegar on anything. The only thing I will put on them is some salt. If they're not salted well, I'll add a little bit. But that's that's it. Ooh, see, I never put salt on my fries. Mm-hmm. Like if it, 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 they're as salty as they uh, arrive to me. If they're not uh, salted, I do not put do not put anything on them because I don't really like adding salt to stuff. Um, I I don't know. I I like having some ketchup on my. I I'm a, I'm more like the type to I will have ketchup that I'll put on like a tray or something, mm-hmm. and then I'll dip it into it. But not every fry. Not every fry gets ketchup because I don't need that in every mouthful. But uh, I'm I'm not. I tell Shad you're the other extreme. Like you, no, nothing on the fry. I, I do like I a good. I do like a good dipping sauce or some ketchup. I feel like that enhances the flavor. And if you're gonna do. Go ahead, Brad. Sometimes you need the ketchup to cover up for a mediocre as shit fry, too. <laughs> yes, perhaps. The other thing I was going to say is, unless it's a specialty thing, like if you're getting chili cheese fries, you're getting chili cheese fries, and you know what you're going in on. Like, don't, don't, that, that's that's not what I'm talking about. But if, if I am just having fries, I do not want stuff on it, because I'm not interested, I, I don't, like that much ketchup you know what do i put it on is uh, i'll put maybe a little bit on a burger and i'll put some on hot dogs that's that's really about the extent for me sometimes sometimes a nice ranch with your french fries i don't know what happened to your guys's palates that's (laughs) (laughs) i see i don't do ranch no. It's it's a special. That's usually like a steak fry, and that's usually like if you're at like Texas Roadhouse or something, and you get like the the fries with like the cheese and the bacon and everything. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm following you there. That's yeah. You're getting cheese fries in that case, and that's yeah. that's okay. That's that's a that's an interesting point. Like, what are your guys' stance on cheese fries? Because me, as much as I love cheese, I'm not really a cheese fries person. It depends on the style of fry. Like a steak fry is a good um, is a good situation for like uh, for a good um, good cheese. But um, it depends. It also depends on like the restaurant, like. Like, if you're going to, like, Texas Roadhouse, their fries or whatever, so, like, dressing them up's kind of nice. But, like, if you're going to, like, a Red Robin, I wouldn't, I don't really want much on their fries because their fries are usually tasty. To uh, me? So you know what? I wouldn't, I would, I wasn't counting, like, Red Robin as, like, a fast food fry. I'm not either. Yeah, I, so. I'm more talking I, about, I like, do. I'm more talking about, like, like, if I kind of like where my differentiation between if i want stuff on my fry or not like like a mcdonald's fry can like stand on its own but like if you want to try and like dress up a wendy's fry in different ways like i'm probably down for that because they're pretty meh to begin with 
-hmm. So, hey, why not give it a shot? I completely understand what you're saying with that. I do. Because if you're going to dress something up, it should be Wendy. I gave Wendy's um, uh, a chance on bacon cheese fries at one point, And after the god-awful job they did on it, I was just like, never mind. Was it at least their their old, like, um, nacho cheese? Because I I like that on their baked potato. It may have been, but it was all slopped off on one side, and the bacon was just kind of crumbled and thrown out. I was just like, never mind. I don't... I'm not gonna... Now, like I said, I'm the one that brought up the cheese fries thing, but even for me, cheese fries are... A pale imitation of good nachos. So, it's it's okay sometimes, but it should not be mistaken for for best in their field or anything. I'd, I'd agree with that. God, I love good nachos. I can't. It. I just. I love good nachos. Now, now for the sake of this, where would would we consider like the potato wedges from KFC to be a French fry, or would they be a different thing? I consider them a different thing. I do really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. See, I feel like it's fast food. Like I probably would can I probably would throw it in the same boat. Well, I, it, I consider KFC to be fast food. I don't consider their potato wedges to be fries. Hmm. Uh, I'm I'm with Brad. Uh, I agree with that that assessment. Um, yeah, we're having a super serious discussion about French fries. I use the phrase. I agree with that assessment. Um, they're not they're not fries they are a potato product but they're cut differently and 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 flavored differently and that sort of stuff so for the same what would be your top two then because you said okay just three yeah my top two well first off if if we had considered five guys to be fast food they would have been my number one i love I love Five Guys fries. I think they're just oh, amazing. Oh, yeah. I would, I'd, eat the, I'd eat the shit out of their <clears throat> fries. Uh, my number two uh, would be the fries from Checkers or Rallies, depending upon your geographic location. I think it's it's one or the other, I think. Yeah. Are they the uh, same thing? Yeah. I think they are. I'm pretty sure they are. It's, it's kind of like Hardee's and Carl Jr. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, they have like a, really they have a season type of fry. That are yes. absolutely, in my opinion, absolutely delicious. They are. Uh, they are. I, there's only like, you, there's not really any in the D.C. area. There is one randomly in like eastern D.C. And I've, I never go there, but I'm aware of its existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember like when my family's originally from the south and we would go down a couple times a year to Augusta, Georgia to visit uh, with family uh, and they had they, the checkers was like readily available down there, so we would occasionally whenever we were down there we would go to mm-hmm. checkers, uh, and I would I would just like always get a fry mm-hmm. with whatever little kids meal I got, and it was fantastic. Um, my number one Popeyes Cajun fries. I like I a good season fry. Really, uh, I have not. They're they're very very similar to the uh, checkers fries, like. Not quite, but they're very they're very similar. They're seasoned, um, just fantastic. We we have Popeyes and we've gone a couple times because I think 
I think <clears throat> Popeyes is far and away better than KFC is, especially like oh. KFC. Oh, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, the last twenty years, but um, I've never, I've never explored the menu too deep. My, my, I ate a lot of Popeyes growing up because maybe like once a month, once every other month, uh, my dad would just get a craving for it. So my mom would go and we, mm. this is like stuff, this is like really taking it back. Like if you like the, the you know, the, the Sunday paper would always have like ads in it. Yeah. They would always have like coupons in there and, and randomly in the coupons, like every time there was always like a coupon for like Popeye's <laughs> chicken so like every every month or two, my dad would want some. So my mom would go down go down to the local Popeyes with a coupon and get like a big uh, bucket of chicken, and we'd eat that over like next like two three four days. I'm gonna really um, I'm really gonna age myself here, but my wife and I when we were first together, we would we would get the Sunday paper and we'd um, clip the coupons before we went shopping that week. And now you can't even get. I think um, I think two of them go through the mail now. I don't even think like you get like the same um, inserts anymore here. The thing I love about Popeyes is the biscuits. <clears throat> to me, they to me they have outside of maybe like Bojangles, which is uh, not in every area of the country. We don't we don't have Bojangles here. I've never been yeah. in one, but I, I see them when we go to like North Carolina for vacation uh, and stuff. I probably prefer Bojangles uh, to the, all the fast food chicken places, even over Popeyes. Uh, but that might be disputed. People may enjoy Popeyes more, but it, Popeyes certainly has more name recognition. You know what's funny? The only time I go in a KFC around here is to go to the Long John Silver's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they don't. I don't think they even have any Long John Silvers down in the DC area anymore. Really, they they it went away here, but then they started attaching them like their KFC slash Long John Silvers now because that's that that's not as much of a thing as it used to be. Because um, I know I know Matt listened to Rod and Fez like the they that rap song they used to play about the KFC Taco Bell. Hmm. Um, but that that was a thing, I guess, like at the at the late '90s and the early 2000s. I think that's kind of gone away a little bit, though. Because I know like Wendy's slash Tim Hortons was big here for a bit, and those have started to go away. So I was gonna say, man, I, I was gonna be a little betrayed that you put you put rallies in the second slot instead of the first. It's mine sitting in the first slot, but I don't. It's it's a coin toss. It really is. I have not been – I have been to a Popeye's like once or twice, mm-hmm. and I didn't have the fries when I was there. I think I had rice and beans or something. I went to go try the chicken sandwich at one that just opened up uh, you know, somewhere for work, and I was like – there was no line. I'm like, oh, I'll get one. I'll try that. And I was like, oh, that's fine. Um, but I didn't get fries there, so I, I didn't get that for uh, comparison's sake. One of the things I did want to say about the, the rallies ones, they are seasoned. Um, there's a little salt and a little pepper to them, but the one thing they do very well is that they're consistently cooked very nicely, so they're crispy, and you don't get... Like, one of the things that turned me off about Burger King and Wendy's stuff is that you get... Sometimes you'll get, like, real starchy flavor 
in what you're eating. You don't you don't get that at McDonald's or Rally's either one. So, um, I forgot Rally's when I was doing this because I haven't been to a Rally's in like forever. At least a decade I haven't been to a Rally's. So I guess I guess for me like so I guess my list I'll just go from the top I I put Burger King at first for me because their new fries I think are just excellent I have not had an issue with quality with those though um, I'd put I'd probably put McDonald's at two and then I would put the Chick Fil A at um, three and then I'd do something like. Because they're, they're essentially the same, but I do like the Culver's slash Raising Cane slash White Castle Crinkle Cut Fries as their own thing. And then I'll throw Rallies at five, but I don't really remember what those taste like. But I do remember liking those. Well, that's fair. That's fair enough. What was your, like, official list, Shad? Since, um... Mm, top down or yeah whatever you want to do uh rallies mcdonald's chick-fil-a waffle fries and then the hardy's arby's curlies okay we don't have any hardy's like in in um in columbus you have to go out to like they're they're like in weird like truck stops in the middle of nowhere here there are <clears throat> there's none like in the like immediate area of dc that I'm aware of, at least. You have to basically go uh, a little bit further out. Probably like a good 30-minute drive or more outside of D.C. before you actually start seeing one of those. Okay. They, they are... Hardee's is, is... If I'm getting breakfast on the go somewhere, that is my my place of choice. They, they do a great job on their breakfast. They do some really good burgers, too. Sometimes I don't feel like paying that much, though. Uh, you know what? Sorry to cut you off, Brad. I, oh, no, I don't know if they still do it because I haven't ate. I haven't ate there in a long time. But you guys remember, like, like middle two thousands, uh, there was this trend to do you know everything healthier because I think it was after like the Super Size movie came out. And it it's was. like, well, what did you, what yeah. what did you guys think? Like, obviously, fast food is not like the healthiest for you. But there was this trend among the fast food places to offer like healthier options and modify their menus, which is totally fine. But I remember Hardee's like bucked the trend. Yeah, they were offering like monster <laughs> burgers, where it's like, here's a burger that's eight thousand calories, and I appreciated that. I'm like, you know yes. what? I like that. They did. I, I remember that because they referred to it as their decadent menu. They said people don't come to Hardee's looking for health food. They come here for decadent burgers. They were the the black Angus burgers is what they were uh, marketing them as, which was unfortunate. Because every now and then you'd have a place where the G wasn't fastened on right and it would fall off the sign. And then you really get one to have those burgers. There's, so. a, there's a place, there's a, there's a chain here. Because like, you remember when vaping got really big? We still have some of those stores that are starting to like disappear. But there's, um, there's, there's a chain, I think, of three or four stores around here. And it's called Avail Vapor. But the way they do their their graphic, the first time like you see it, like your brain thinks it's saying anal vapor, <laughs> mm. 
And it's like, even though you know it's not that because you've seen it five million times, you're always like, oh, yeah. And I'm not the only person that does that, so it's it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's... It, it kind of seems... we. It's interesting. We Matt and I are, are on a similar wavelength for part of it, and then Matt and Brad are on a similar wavelength for part of it, and then I've run off into right field somewhere at some point. So, but then again, all three of us are just like now five guys. They didn't meet the criteria we had here, but five guys—that's the way to be. Well, the thing for me yep. is I don't I don't eat a lot of fast food anymore. Like if I'm if I'm gonna go out and go cheap, it's gonna be like now it's gonna be like. To me, cheap is like going to like Cracker Barrel, um, Five Guys. You know, it's it's more that next step up now is like what cheap dining is for us. Uh, no, I'm I'm too much of a tightwad to call that cheap dining. Well, Cracker Barrel's getting expensive, unfortunately. Yeah. They've, they've jacked their prices up recently. I have a question. Would yeah. would you guys consider uh, Shake Shack to be fast food, or is that fast casual in your opinion? We don't, we don't have a Shake Shack, so I don't know what that is. I have never. Been oh, you don't know what it is. I know I what it not. is, but like I've never eaten at one to know like how their setup is. I see. Uh, based upon price, if if the metric is like. Um, what would you call it? If if it's a drive-through, then this doesn't this doesn't fit the metric because it's I, I don't know of anyone that's drive-through, and the burgers are more expensive. Uh, yeah. You're not gonna get like a McDonald's like here's a dollar menu. They don't do that. It, it's yeah. like five six bucks or so a burger. Yeah. Um, they have a huge following though. <coughs> there's a, there's quite a few in the East Coast. There's a, several in DC. Um, they're okay. Like they're not bad. I, I think they're it's actually fairly good burgers, but it's also one of those things where it's like you're you're charging like six bucks for a burger, and this is really isn't that good of a burger. It's like perfectly fine, but not as good as what they charge for it. But they do they do crinkle cut fries, which are uh, they're okay. That's interesting. I, I've heard a lot about Shake Shack, but uh, they, mm. they do not exist here. Oh, you know what? None of us, none of us even bother talking about uh, In and Out. I've never been to it. I've been to it. It's not. It's nothing special. People, people. Again, this is like. The, let me like really pull a reference. This is like Plato's. Was it Plato? I think it was Plato. The the the, the cave metaphor. It's like if you've only lived in a cave your entire life, seeing shadows on a wall, you think that that's that's what the world consists of. Let me tell you something, uh, West Coasters. Not to offend you, In and Out, not that good. <laughs> to me, to me, like the ultimate, the the best experience consistently for fast food is Chick Fil A. Like they have their system down. I would love to know what their HR practices are because they somehow manage to hire like good competent like helpful people like even if the lines along they have a system and they get you through quick like i just don't see how anyone beats chick-fil-a mm-hmm. uh somehow they're like the politest people on the planet and that's been like consistent yeah there's there's multiple stores. 
Yeah, there's multiple stories, and I mean like multiple stories of of like old people who have like a flat tire, and like the the, the teenage Chick Fil A dude will just like run out there and change the tire and go back to work, and it's like he's yeah. not getting paid for that. That's but the customer really service impressive. is fantastic. Yeah. So. They must have a really good screening process, and I think they they must pay better. I think they, they do probably, pay better. Um, they probably pay pretty well. Yeah. It, well, because there's... Um, I have known some people that have gone to work for Chick-fil-A in various capacities before and stayed there. They, they must be doing pretty well to stay in the positions that they're in um, for the... Uh, for as long as they have, you know, they, they gotta be doing all right. Yeah, they must. So I don't know. Uh, I, I've wondered about that too. What is the, what is the Chick-fil-A secret to, um, cause, cause I've gone in other, like we went to, when we were in Florida before COVID hit, like we even went to one there and it's like the same thing, like same attitude. Like they, they have that drive through thing where they go through and take your order, like, on the tablets now. Like, there's just something to it. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but they've got something. And every, everybody's... I'm yet to run into a rude person that, uh, working in a Chick-fil-A, so... No. I don't know. Do they put they put something in the air? Are you having to, um, you know, are you, are you having to, like, take a shot before you go out and... And start work. I don't know what it is, but they figured something good out. And I agree with you. It's consistently very good. That's good. We have discovered in our family that if we want to spend a little bit less, but want to get enough decent protein for that everybody will eat, just one of those Chick-fil-A 30-piece Chick-fil-A nuggets, we get that and we set it in the table and everybody just kind of nibbles out of it and we bag up what's left. Um. There you go, dad fact for our listeners if you need it. Dad fact. So do we want to do we want to hit our music portion yeah. of the show? Let's move so on I, over to the music. I actually don't think, other than the wrestling music episode, which was super early in this show, show's history, I don't think we've ever really touched on much music. We've touched, I think, once or twice, just a little bit, not much. Okay, so this was this was kind of something I was thinking about lately because. I think, um, cause my wife got a new car and it's had Sirius XM. So it, like if you, one of the nice things about that is like, you actually get, um, a real variety of music. Not like, um, not like the awful radio music, the clear channel ruined with their like 30 song playlists of the same songs on five <laughs> different stations now. Um, which oh. I, think, I think Matt and I have gone off on how clear channel ruined radio on this show before. But, um, yeah, yeah, we we had that section. Um, but so I was I've been listening to a lot of different '80s and '90s stuff between between some of their channels, and it really got me thinking about what my ultimate preference is as far as '80s and '90s go. Um, for the the conversation here, I left '70s off, which some people listening might be offended by, but none of us were really alive in the '70s for more than maybe. It a couple of months, so... Um... Just leaving... The, this isn't... We're not comparing to the 70s in this discussion. This is 80s and 90s. The 70s is, is its own thing, and we're just not pulling it in right now. And I'm, I, I chose this because 
it is something that even in our very younger years of the 80s we still have some firsthand like memories and experiences of like the music of the time yeah and um so that's kind of why i went with that so um so i i think i think when i was younger i would have said i preferred 80s music but i think as the the older I've gotten, I think I've started to shift a little more towards the '90s, because I think um, I think I've grown. The older I've gotten, I think I've grown to appreciate like the grunge movement a lot more. Hmm. It's it's difficult for me to 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 kind of. Well, no, it's not. I have one that I clearly prefer, but I, I was never real big into grunge. Um, it kind of creeps up on you, and you realize, like, if you hear enough, we're like, oh yeah, like I, I would never have, si- I would never say I like this, but like, I like enough of the songs that it is like as a genre is worthwhile. So, how do I? How, hmm, I actually do really appreciate grunge. Uh, this is this is difficult. It's difficult to because both decades are really different. I yeah. feel like I feel like if I was going to, I feel like if I was because I like grunge so much, and that was kind of like when I was a like my teenage years, I listened to a lot of that. Um, I feel like I would probably rank the '90s better for rock music. But for pop music, I would probably do the 80s. And I feel like a lot of things that I like, that I kind of like have an affinity for music-wise now, has a lot of ties, like the 80s. Like there's a ton of, there's a ton of stuff, even like modern music that's out there, that is very much like a throwback to 80s. Like The Weeknd is a, is a huge star. And his last album had his most recent album it's many of the songs are like essentially 80, 80s it's 80s retro wave and that retro wave is kind of like a genre that I'm, I'm i've gotten into a little bit recently where it much like it um it would the name would imply it, it, it's like a essentially it's a throwback to 80s like synth wave uh music which i really kind of appreciate so i probably like in terms of pop music but i like that more because um, I wasn't as big into like the '80s hair metal. Some of that stuff is actually really entertaining. It's it's and really good. Yeah, some of it's really good, but I think I think what's charming about some of the '80s hair metal is just the excesses of the time. Hang on, I'm gonna pull a list real quick. Keep going, but I'm pulling a list of um, '80s hair metal names. Because that's. That's some of the charm of, like, if you get, like, um, one of the things I'm into that we haven't talked about in the show, because I don't listen to a lot of, like, radio stuff now that's new, but I kind of, in the mid-2000s, started getting into, like, um, Euro-metal. And sometimes you'll run into a Euro-metal band, and they're like, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be the 80s, except with more cocaine, like, poofy hair and excesses. <laughs> Like so, like some of that, like um, some of that is a lot of fun. Except for Kiss without their makeup, that was a mistake. Yeah. 
<laughs> whenever they did that on MTV Unplugged, and they were like, oh, um, yeah, they should have stayed plugged. Okay. Yeah, I would take, so, I would take hair metal over new metal, though. New metal sucks. And that did oh, start in yeah. very, that was like the tail end of the 90s. Yeah. Is, uh, back up a second, because I've always been fuzzy on this. Does new metal include Disturbed, or is that just more of a hard rock thing? I would say Disturbed kind of started as new metal, but they kind of turned into their own. Okay, that's fair. They kind of they kind of broke the they kind of broke away from that genre with their second album. Okay, yeah. Uh, As a Disturbed fan, I would uh, I would very much say that they're not. New metal. I do. I would agree. I would stipulate, uh, as Brad's suggested, that they they kind of had some origins, but I would not hold them to being new metal. No, I would say right. like "Down with the Sickness" is like a very new metalish song, but they kind of got away from that pretty quick. It's a very product of its time, kind of thing, right? They kind of do different stuff, honestly. Like, yeah. like disturb between from album to album, like. They have a general sound, but they experiment a little bit. Their um, their version of Sound of Silence, I actually vastly prefer to the original. Their but... uh, their cover of Land of Confusion is really good too. Okay, so yeah. here was the list I was looking for, and this is lesser known hair bands, not you know, because there, there were there were some bigger ones, and I, I'll start off with a couple that were decent, you know. Um, you know, Van Halen qualified, you know, that sort of stuff. But here's some, some lesser note. Like, you know Warrant. You may have heard of Skid Row. But then Enough's Enough. So that's E-N-U-F-F-Z apostrophe N-U-F-F. Faster Pussycat, Yeoming You, Shotgun Messiah, Dangerous Toys, Danger Danger, Bang Tango, Pretty Boy Floyd, Junkyard, Shark Island, and Cats in Boots. I think Danger Danger actually had a hit, so I think they um, they're a little above some of those other jobber names. Well, but you get what I'm saying is that the metal market got saturated. And you're forgetting you're forgetting that you're forgetting the metalist of all metal bands in there, which is Spinal Tap. Hmm. <laughs> I've got to admit, I enjoy Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You Tonight way more than I ever thought I would. Which one? So. Is, I, the um, the two I love from that is uh, the 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 big bottom one, which just cracks me up. And um, oh, what's it called? The one where they do like it's kind of like the more Irish one. Where in the movie, Stonehenge. like Stonehenge. Yes, yes, that one. <laughs> um, that gag was amazing. I knew that gag was coming the first time I saw the movie, but just seeing how he wrote it down, I started cackling immediately. And then they had the big reveal. Oh my gosh! When we did when we did our favorite comedies, I forgot that one. I was so pissed the next day that I forgot Spinal Tap. Oh wow, Spinal Tap is really good. Um, the one of the things I was going to go with um, what what Matt was saying about some more recent bands drawing uh, inspiration out of some '80s stuff is like some really big hits lately were came drew their inspiration out of 80s stuff like um if god save them i really wish they'd had more success than they did but if you remember walk the moon 
Shut Up and Dance With Me was kind of inspired by things like Jesse's Girl, which was an 80s song. And then Bruno Mars, for his last two albums, has basically just been making like retro 80s stuff. Uptown Funk was... Well, 24 Karat Magic was basically Morris Day in the time. And then I guess Uptown Funk would have been more... 70s, I guess. But yeah, there's there's a lot of influences for it. Um, but it, for me, just the stuff that I, I enjoyed... I'm leaning more towards 90s, and that's not even counting grunge. Because um, there's... Uh, I don't really love synth music unless it's in like a goofy gimmick novelty or parody song. I think Matt's kind of convincing me, though, because like... Um, I think if you just take like the strength of like Michael Jackson's stuff from the 80s cuz he really fell off in the 90s. Like okay, that's yeah. that's a good point. Like like Thriller like itself like really what? is We uh, need We need the Dave Chappelle bit right here. He made Thriller, man. Thriller. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. That's that's true. Um it, what were you going to say, Matt? Yeah, I that's actually I mean, I haven't even thought about that, but like yeah, like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson a, a, his body of work alone, uh, just from the eighties, could probably carry the the eighties yeah. to like number one. <laughs> and and he really, I mean, he really didn't do squat in the nineties, as far as like music he, goes. Uh, he still had some some songs. Like there's actually some still some good Michael Jackson songs, even like towards the end. But uh, yeah, obviously like the the heavy lifting was in the 80s like his 80s stuff is like amazing and what you hear played on the on the radio today is like 99 percent from the 80s like you mean, 80s, you, mean yeah. you don't love the yeah. you don't love the title track from the movie about setting an orca free <laughs> you don't <laughs> love you don't love one. his song from free willy <laughs> God. i don't think i even i i know you heard the song but. I know. I'm just thinking of the critic parody where Willie's going for the jump and just falls on the kid. <laughs> that might have been The Simpsons, That's... actually. Uh, no, that, I... I think that was the critic, actually. I remember I watched that uh, for a while on early Comedy Central. One thing that I'm gonna I want to throw in that'll actually put a spin on it, because if we're are we talking music in general? Well, I, I'm kind of Matt's kind of Matt's kind of won me over to his way of thinking on this. Like, I think I'm kind of with him. Like, as a whole, we can go with. But like, I'm thinking like I prefer the rock from the '90s. But um, I'm kind of getting won over by his. The pop was better in the '80s. I well, almost are... feel like you. It, it's I know it's like unconventional thinking because you we could pit just total decade against each other, but. To me, like that, just in my mind, like I, I don't. That's not how I'm viewing it. Just because the genres, because nowadays, if you like, let's let's take like modern music. Rock is the I, the cliche is rock is dead. Like rock is kind of dead. Like rock is nowhere near as big as it was in the eighties or nineties. Because the 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 hard rock bands are all like <clears throat> cosplaying like stuff from the early 2000s like it hasn't evolved in 20 years like, yeah, no the rock stuff right now is like 
stuff yeah. that qualifies as rock currently is like flipping Imagine Dragons, and it's like no, uh, no, yeah, no. they're that's, they're absolutely terrible. That's that is pop music that you put like a, a sheen of primer over. Yeah, because like because is a is a hard rock fan in the in this last decade. I've really I really for for like that stuff like I really kind of started switching into like alternative because you get better you get better quality stuff there and like I wouldn't consider it like hard rock but I'd still say it, it's rock to a degree but like stuff like from the killers to me is better than anything that you get like rock wise now and that that um that fills that void better for me than than a lot of like like five finger death punch is like come on guys like you're not even like original all right i'm gonna i kind of like five finger death punch but it is like listening to five finger death punch it's kind of like the equivalent of watching like i don't like a mindless b-movie action film it's like you it's there you digest it you kind of like it for what it is uh, and then you don't really think too hard about it afterwards, or and you probably like you don't really like revisit it too much. But I don't, you don't mind it. That's kind of how I feel about Five Finger Death Punch. Like I think they're they think they're fine for what they are. Uh, killers, they're not. Yeah, I wouldn't really define them as like a. They're definitely a hard rock. They're like an alternative band, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, okay. not quite some pop. Of, some of their mo. That's right. They're not really. They're a little too different to be pop some of their most recent stuff did their most one of their most recent singles uh i listened to it and i'm like oh my god this is bruce springsteen because it, it was so <laughs> it, it, i'm not joking like it's such no a no, no i understand song. i, I you know get it that you know what's funny is um is i uh, my wife's a huge bruce springsteen fan and i can like take or leave him and I heard a song because she has his um, the the E Street Radio on on a like a save on Sirius, and I heard a song. I told my wife like, "Oh, I heard this Springsteen song, and I actually really liked it." And I realized like the song had been released like two days ago, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Like, I guess um, I guess that's new." All right, so Matt, what you said about Five Finger Death Punch, I'm going to say about one of my preferred bands, knowing full well. They're not really good, but I still really like them. Mm-hmm. And that's from the '90s, and that's The Offspring. Oh um, yeah, I, I I really like The Offspring, but they do fit that. They're like, okay, that's fine for what it is. It I, is. I will, I will. My disagreement there is, I would say The Offspring is good because Self Esteem and The Kids Aren't All Right are good songs. Uh Okay, self-esteem. The kids aren't all right. Why don't you get a job, Americana? See, I don't. I I like more like the self-esteem. Uh, yeah, same. I don't like versus. Shit. Yeah, why don't you get a job? Like, I actually hate that song. I hate okay. it. All right, let's I, knock I that one out. Like, I would agree. I would actually. I would agree that they're like a good band. They're not. They're no by no means like a favorite of mine in terms of like I'll, I'll even say like late nineties. Uh bands but yeah I, I would say they're good i was i was gonna keep going down stuff that would show up in my playlists uh hit that um uh, anyway Go ahead. I, while you I do like, that can i make a, can i make a point about like modern rock music go for it so i guess you could argue like 
that it was the 80s and 90s it was the same way because obviously like grunge dominated at least the early half of the 90s and then you started getting stuff into like new metal so maybe this is actually just a common problem i'm not even going to say like i i I don't know that it's like with the culture so much as because if you listen to that people like billy corgan have given interviews he gave an interview like on rogan and he he was kind of insinuating that a lot of what a lot of what you hear, a lot of what gets pushed in the radio is is carefully like curated, marketed mm-hmm. by the radio, the record companies, which does make sense. Uh, I think some of it's organic. Like you can have a band that like people like their sound, they start to get a lot of heat. But I think he has a valid point that if you have a band like that they become popular then all of a sudden record companies are like oh this is selling let's have uh 20 other bands that are just like this and then they push that then all of a sudden it's like well that type of music is now the face of rock so there i my my point is like certain like genres or subgenres of rock can kind of get pushed i think as like this is rock now so i get that but i do feel like it's 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 objectively has been worse in the last like yeah. oh yeah 10 yeah. 10 15 years of them doing that because they, they've edged out of it but definitely like f- five years or so ago it's like hey everyone uh like folk rock revival music that's rock now then that's all you get here's some <laughs> mumford and sons and i don't i, I don't mind mumford and sons but to me, like that's like you're a genre of rock. You're not like the face of rock. Like you're that's not, really Mum, not Mumford and Sons isn't bad, but Sunford and Cousins is starting to piss you off, right? But see, like Mumford and Sons, like so, like to me, like to me, rock has to have like a certain edge to it, and especially yeah. like when you start getting into like the metal stuff, like like to me, like to me, like a good metal song is something you want to work out to, like. It's not for everything, but, like, if I'm going to be, like, running on the treadmill, like, the All That Remains would come on, like, of modern stuff. Because I, you need that, like... You I need really that, like, like All That Remains. Yeah, I like them, too, actually. Um, that guy's the, in... The, uh, the lead singer... Sorry to cut you off, right? The lead singer is uh, is an interesting guy to follow on Twitter. He's, he's like, libertarian. He uh, For the people who, uh, who... This is not your thing. Like, I think he leans to the right, but he's fun. Like, because he will... He'll be like, hey, he'll post like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like record on Twitch, and then he'll post like a link, and you go on it, and it's the dude is literally just giving away free music. He's just like, you see him on Twitch, he's playing his music, he's like screaming into the microphone, <laughs> doing like all that remain songs or something, and it's like, wow, I just got like a free concert essentially. Well, that's cool. Yeah. But like, so the problem with Mumford and Sons is like that's more like. And I agree with you, like, they were pushing that, like, I would call that, like, Euro bar music is what that was to me. <laughs> like, that's Pop, something that oh, you would, kinda. like, pub music. But, like, I don't consider that rock. I would consider that maybe alt, and I like some of that stuff, but to me, that's not rock. That's, no, I wouldn't consider that rock either. Um, uh, that's not fair at all. I know people... And see, I think, I think what rock struggles with now though is like especially in the 80s and 90s like you had these like generational talents like coming through like you had metallica coming through or even something like alice in chains like nothing sounds like alice in chains like but you don't get that now because it's like very it feels very produced it feels like you have 
Yeah, and it feels like, other than all that remains, because I feel like they actually do have a, a, a unique sound to them, but, like, there's a lot of bands that are just generic now. Oh, yeah. You need to have, like, a unique sound. Like, people like Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley, even, like, Scott Weiland, they had, like, unique sounds to them. And even as much as I fucking hate him and I don't like his band, but even, like, Fred Durst, like, had a... Ugh. He was unique. There's no question that he was unique. Or even, like, Kid Rock, like, even though he went all wuss and stuff. Yeah. Well, in the 80s, you had... You could even do, like, some of the hair metal bands. Like, you had... um... Ozzy sounded different. You had Ozzy... Metallica Metallica is 80s. I mean, I know... Metallica. I know, um... I know he's, like, a lot to handle, but, like, David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth is very unique like you know his voice yeah you know what's funny is there's um there's a there's a youtube video i need to send it to you guys one day of him of him doing like a like almost like an oral history of like the first pro wrestling match in japan yeah for those who are not aware like uh david lee roth is a wrestling fan and some stuff like about ricky dozen like the dude has like an encyclopedic knowledge of of it like he he not only like likes it he has he has like studied it like he's a scholar of it yeah and it is the weirdest thing is you're like david lee roth like, <laughs> that dude? no i found that once because like so there the, i just never had the time to do it but i was gonna do like a history of japanese wrestling like well it was gonna turn into an all japan podcast but i want i have all this stuff like from like i've like I have, like, some brief footage of, like, Ricky Dozen, like, doing sumo, and I have some footage of, like, the first wrestling match in Japan. And when I was researching this stuff, I found this video of him, and he's talking about this match that, like, I have, like, footage of. And it just blew my mind because it's such a... It's such a... You have to be really deep in the hole to to look at this match and know who these people are. And it, it just blew my mind, like, like, because you you wouldn't think like to to even talk about Ricky Dozen, you have to be, you have to be deep into the bubble. You, you, you got to know though. what's up a little bit to get to yeah. Ricky Dozen. Yeah. Um, I was gonna throw some stuff in real quick, just because I'm still I'm gonna come down on the '90s side, and if we're we're talking music in general, there's a couple of wrinkles that I, I feel like. I need to throw in um, the first one. It's it, it, and I'm going to preface this. I had to ask my wife about this, but one of the other major genres in American music is country music, which was way better in the '90s than it was in the '80s. Uh, is, uh, she thinks my tractor is sexy in the '90s. <laughs> no, that was post 2000. Okay, that's that's Kenny Chesney who is doing his best to cosplay Jimmy Buffett every chance he gets. Now, was, was Garth Brooks's like, heyday in the 90s, or did he, yep. like, dip in the 80s at all? Okay. No, nope. Garth, was, Garth was 90s. And then, so you had kind of a, a, a big shift in country sound. Because, like, the big country... I'm going to say this, and I'm going to look over at my wife to tell me if I'm being... if I'm off base or not, but I think the big country standout for the decade of the 80s is probably Dolly, isn't it? She was very huge in the 80s. Yeah. I thought she was, like, more, like, 70s. 
She, I think she, she got the ball rolling in the 70s, but she was real big in the 80s. She continued. Yeah. Was was 9 to 5 her song? Yes, 9 to 5 was her song. Incidentally, I can't hear that song without laughing anymore because I see the scene from Deadpool 2 over it. Now, I wouldn't consider that to be a country song, though. I would consider that just to be a pure pop song, which is she, all, a good song. She is able to... She is one of those people who's able to, first of all, stay evergreen, and then second, be able to switch back and forth pretty easily. That's pretty impressive. How the other is she? thing, is she like 70? Not quite. Okay. Uh, she, her, her first, like, she got started performing when she was a teenager. Um, so, but the, the other thing I wanted to say about the 90s is that you had, like, yeah, I guess... In the 80s, you kind of had... It, it feels to me, and if I'm wrong about this, please say so, but it feels to me that the 80s had a lot more... There wasn't as much new stuff emerging. Um, like, you, you came out of the disco era, and so you had rock and metal, like, getting big. But you didn't have as much new stuff emerging like you did in the 90s. Like, off the top of my head... We had the emergence of, and even if I'm not a fan of it, um, you know, the rap and hip-hop scene. Like uh, Hip-hop started more in the 80s, but I think you really... I think the 90s is where you got the really subversive, like, gangster rap, like Public Enemy yeah. and NWA and um, yeah. all So you got stuff, the rap which... in there. And then the other thing that got big was the adult alternative scene. Like, really blew up in the 90s because... Because Smashing yeah. Pumpkin's kind of like... Yeah. So, well, I mean, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, stuff that would be on that list, like Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Matchbox 20, Third Eye Blind, uh, Wallflowers, Fastball. And I I don't like them personally, but Green Day was really like, I think they were really a game changer when they... They were alternative. I cannot stand Green Day. I don't like, like them. I like one of their songs. I like when I come around. I would say, I'm glad you brought that up because if we want to talk genres, yeah, I think I personally would feel like punk music very much like 80s wins. That okay, are. yeah, that's a yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, I don't feel 90s punk is very good. 90s punk with people like for the longest time, I don't know if they still do. They were considering Green Day as punk, and I'm like, please. Like, Green Day was like, alternative. Like, Gigi Allen would beat the shit out of every single one of these guys. Because <laughs> I, I guess the Ramones would be would be 80s, so they would... I, uh, I They probably had their... I'd have to look it up. I think they did have their biggest hits in the, in the 80s, but didn't they start, like, in the 70s? Yeah, they were one of my favorite guest appearances on The Simpsons, too. There's um, the other thing I'm going to stand up for in terms. I said this earlier, but in terms of the '90s, oh, I forgot flipping Mark Cone. Uh, well, that's on the one-hit wonder stuff. Um, in the '80s, God, I don't like synth very much, but it seems like there's so blessed much synth that comes out of '80s stuff. There's just, a, that's a lot of it. It just it it grates on me. Um, the other fun thing that I like to do in comparing is to look at because one hit wonders are going to give you a cross section of stuff that is um, 
like stuff that was real popular but didn't stick. So if if you have like a lot of very homogenous one hit wonders going on, you're not looking at a time of great variety or anything. Uh, but if you've got a lot of stuff going, then that, that's in terms of one hit wonders. So like in the nineties, you had I'm going to scratch this one off because that's that was kind of endemic of the same sound that was going on, but um, like I guess this isn't fair because uh, Mr. Big was really more of a continuation of the 80s scene. Um, but, uh, okay, a list of some, some 90s one-hit wonders. Uh, stuff like uh, Gonna Be by The Proclaimers. <laughs> uh, Tub Thumping, Chumbawamba, Mark Cohn, Walking in Memphis. Um, okay, here's a weird one. The Mummer's Dance by Lorena McKennett. You would know it if you heard it. I guarantee. <clears throat> but, um... I, f- I feel 80s has way more, like, uh, one-hit wonders for pop songs. I feel like there's a lot of, like, 90s one-hit wonders for there are, rock music. Well, okay, so, um, I'm looking down a list right... Oh, oh, God. Well, okay, here, Rico Suave, Achy Breaky Heart, those were 90s. Here's some 80 one, 80s ones. Come on, Eileen, Dexie's Midnight Runners. See, uh, hold on a second. Achy Breaky Heart was a huge hit, but yes. I would I would, I would, would say that that's not a one-hit wonder. Like, Billy Ray, uh, what's his name? Billy Ray Cyrus did not Billy have Ray Cyrus. A, a, another real big hit following that up. Not, like, to that level, but he has, he's still, like, been consistently working for, like, 25, 30 years. Well, okay, he, hang he on. Did, My wife is did. telling me I'm wrong about big hit stuff. What are we? What's in, What's another one then? Billy Ray Cyrus. Yes, for Billy Ray Cyrus. One of the biggest was Some that was yeah yeah. But what? When did that come out? In the nineties. Was that in the nineties? I thought that was a post two thousands. No. Okay. His, uh, absolutely not. By the way. <laughs> Are you talking about Romeo? That wasn't a duet. That was a cameo spot. Uh, he, he wrote off Dolly's fame for that one. Anyway, I, I'm not... Come on, Eileen, and I ran by Flock of Seagulls, and Take on Me by Aha, and Safety Dance. The funny thing about... This is a small aside. The funny thing about uh, Aha, yeah. like, all everyone ever knows is like Take on Me. Yeah, but they're from like Norway or something like that, and apparently were like huge in yeah. Norway, and, and I think like they were really popular in Europe. So it's okay. only like here they only had one song. That Check was... this out. One of my favorite one-hit wonders, and I, I, this story. Okay, first of all, Mr. Big, the Just to Be with You. Um, yeah, like I said, they were a continuation of '80s hit. Mm-hmm. Huge in Japan. Like they had one song in America that took off, but they were massive in Japan. Do you remember a? A song on the pop charts in the mid '90s, Scatman. Yes, That's, I love that song actually. Scatman. Okay, there's another good song on that record called "Everybody Jam." That's about uh, New Orleans. Scatman John also ended up being huge. He was so big in Japan, he did bubblegum commercials there. But he there's... was he was a legit jazz cat 
who they just he he moved to I think Germany because jazz was getting big there, and then they wanted to put him over a dance beat, and he's like, well, I stutter. How am I supposed to sing and do this? And his wife's like, make it part of the song. So he did, and so he turned this huge success of doing scat singing. Let's be adults here, uh, doing scat singing into this big thing for like, um, you know, uh, stutter advocacy, and just just that guy, like he he got in some weird like the follow up to Scatman should have been Everybody Jam, but they went with Scatman's World, and they should not have. <laughs> <laughs> it's um one of my favorite wow meme videos has the Scatman music to it the one where they attack that funeral <laughs> and then um that's that's old that 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 video has to be what like 15 years old now yeah like that's almost as old as the leroy jenkins um meme yeah i think i think leroy's a little bit older but yeah, as but then it's also one of my favorite Beavis and Butthead watch alongs because Beavis was like freaking out when he'd do his uh, thing. Yeah, that he's he's really really good at that. But it, you know that's that's something um, that's something. Speaking of the '90s and music, I think one thing that helps '90s rock stick out more to me too is having the Beavis and Butthead like music video <laughs> segments. Okay. I just look at I of the one hit wonders that I, I look when I compare to the decade of the eighties to the decade of the nineties. I will take a hundred Save Tonight's by Eagle Eye Cherry over Saint Elmo's Fire Man in Motion by John Parr. Like that is a trade I will happily make. Oh, you know we we, we didn't mention him before we go. I have to mention them him and his band previously for rock because. Mm-hmm. There was a time it wasn't lame, but White Zombie and Rob Zombie were um, were net positives for the 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, you get into the 2000s and that kind of ebbed away. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I've turned my paper over. Other things that I'm going to advocate on the side of the night, it's hard to, to go up against Michael, but if I advocate Blues Traveler, uh, Eminem, Counting Crows, Matchbox 20, Foo Fighters, stuff like that, and Foo then, Fighters. Foo Fighters is interesting because uh, they were they were born of the '90s, but uh, they're more of a 2000s band. Uh, no, I would still say like they had a lot of hits in the '90s. What I was going to say about them is that we talked about how rock isn't like it's kind of dead. It, like it's not near the heights that it used to be. There are some exceptions, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, Foo Fighters have now been around probably like 25 years, so they're they're in, in like a different stratosphere. But Foo Fighters is one of the few bands that can, no joke, legit sell at stadiums. Yeah. And people, people will. There's a. I've mentioned before, I think, on this podcast, like there's a there's a musical venue in DC that was built in the last like three four years called the Anthem. It's mm-hmm. become like the, uh, basically the the, the newest slash, uh, best music venue to go to outside of you know like the capital one arena if you're selling out a stadium mm-hmm. uh the first show the very first show that that venue after it had been completed did was a show by david grohl uh and dave grohl is like from the area so i mean mm-hmm. he, he's really big here in the dc area mm-hmm. uh, sold out like immediately i looked yeah. into getting tickets they were like twenty five hundred dollars in the secondary Whoa. Like, yeah 
they i mean and people i wouldn't pay that but i mean he, the, foo fighters is one of the last probably rock bands that still has like that they can they can pull off stadiums i don't know that there's too many other bands that can that come even close to that i mean i think some of like the old the old stuff can like older acts can do that if they pair up like i think um i think like journey and foreigner can if you're willing to like pile them up with enough bands Mm -hmm. i think metallica still does if you got to pile them up with other bands, though, I don't think they're going to be on the same level that Foo Fighters is being on. Plus, Dave Grohl no. just seems like a super stand-up guy. So, okay, you know what? It, we were. <laughs> Can I? Uh... And let's not forget Bad Company by Bad Company <laughs> on the album Bad Company. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love uh... the joke so much. Oh God! I that they ruined that song for me forever. <laughs> yeah. That's all I think about is stupid Henry singing that and thinking about Timothy McVeigh in a tank in Iraq. That makes the song better for me because I didn't like it that much to start with. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Matt? Uh, if I can make one last point, because I you brought up uh, country. Yeah. I actually listened to a lot of country uh, mm-hmm. growing up, uh, and into like my teenage years because my mom was like a huge country fan. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I am a fan of the neo-traditional country style. Okay. Uh, I do. I would. I would probably agree that '90s country is better than '80s country. Because uh-huh. you in the '90s you had Garth Brooks, although he he started as like neo-traditional and he edged into more like this like weird pop rock fusion. But you also had like Alan Jackson. You had uh, Toby Keith beginning in the the '90s. Like he had a lot of like that. Yeah, yeah. yes, good artist. I would say though, like I feel the '80s, the '80s almost wins that from the pure like force of will that is George Strait. George Strait's like '80s work, and he continued to the '90s to like like great stuff in the '90s. But his '80s work alone, my it almost like drags the '80s to victory. I I understand what you're saying, but I don't like George Strait that much. Oh my <laughs> god. I, I didn't feel, say I didn't like him. I said I don't mouth, like him. My mouth is because I personally feel like George Strait is one of the, the greatest country music artists of all time. Uh, perhaps one of, perhaps the best. I feel the '80s, like for country though, I would say to me, like two of the two of the greatest. Let me actually look up when this was. I would say that Amarillo by Morning is one of the greatest country songs of all time. It's like it's like in the top five. And then, uh, let's see. Oh, so it's, this is like a 1972 song. Poncho and Lefty. Okay. That's like one of the greatest country songs of all time. Although that's apparently like a 1972 uh, song originally. But it was covered by Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard in 1983. Yeah, but... I can't quite get that to the 80s then. No, we can't do that for, for Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson go way further back. Um, but they had 80s songs. Like the, uh, also they the did. Highwayman. The Highwayman was an 80s song, and that's a fantastic song. So it, it's that would be a whole other thing to dive into. And Where, what, what decade was like that super group with like Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash? That was the, the Highwayman. That was the 80s. No, no, no. That was the Highwayman with uh, in the 1980s. It was Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, and Willie Nelson. Wow. 
and the high the song the highwayman is is from 1985 it is one of the best country songs of all time i swear it's some it's an amazing song i would is be a, dig that one out but that's that's it, edging more into like outlaw country it's it's that's stemming over from, yeah from who, the uh, neo-traditional his, style has anyone had as many hits across so many decades as johnny cash because he managed to go into the 2000s with there, that's a good few. question. That's a good question. Last year, way before Corona, my wife and I did go to Nashville, and we we went to the Johnny Cash Museum. It's a great museum. If anyone, if, in a post-COVID world, like I suggest people go to that museum. Uh, it's fantastic, and they did a little brief. There's a brief, um, like little documentary or, or blurb about uh, his cover of "Hurt" by Nine Inch Nails. And it does yeah. have like a quote, which I think has kind of gone uh, viral since he made it. But uh, yeah. Trent Reznor is basically like, I listened to him cover his cover of the song, and like my heart sank. It's because like I I wrote the song, I performed the song, it's my song, and I realized it's no longer mine. Like he just did such an amazing job, and it's true. Like Johnny Cash, like if just that song will now forever be associated now with Johnny Cash, even though. To the point where I don't, people probably don't even realize it's it's not a Johnny Cash song originally. You know, cover. well, what's amazing is like they're um, it's the same song, but they mean two different things between the two because like the mm-hmm. Nine Inch Nails one's very much a um, about a drug addict, and the Johnny yeah. Cash version's very much about an old man at the end of his life, like talking about <laughs> like the losses and mistakes he made like throughout his life. We could literally do a separate show just about like sad songs or songs that we could like, just about do much. one over Johnny Cash's heart. Mm-hmm. Almost oh by God! Because I, I made the mistake. Punch. Well, the the song itself, like if you just listen to the song in a vacuum, it's not bad. If you watch the music video, like it's mm. hard not to like what I like cry like yeah. five seconds into it. Matt, I was going to do this before we end. You had your, you had a really good list of eighty stars there, mm. just for a comparison's sake. Uh, big, big hit makers from the '90s: Garth, Shania Twain, Clint, Clint Black, Trisha Yearwood, Travis Tritt, oh, Travis Brooks and Tritt. Dunn, Clint Black. Wow. Yeah, Reba McIntyre. Um, Shania Twain. Wow. Yeah. Well, she she definitely crossed over into the pop and then went back. What yeah. happened to her? Because she like oh. she was huge for a while, and then she kind of just like dropped off the face of the earth. Okay, so I know what happened. Um, she found basically she found out that her husband slash manager Mutt Lang had been cheating on her, and combined with all the stress of the recording and touring she did, she got vocal paralysis that like screwed up her singing voice for ten years. So oh, that's interesting. People, that's, yeah. So I'll, I'll, this is like the last thing I'll add. Because uh, we, we need to wrap it up, I guess. But mm-hmm. for those who like are not really a fan of country or who are too young to like really have been around the '90s, I mean, she crossed over. She probably crossed over, maybe probably not to the extent that like a Taylor Swift nowadays has, but she did have crossover appeal in the '90s. Like she was a, definitely a star. For people who were like not aware of Shania Twain, she was like the hottest woman on the planet. Like she yeah. was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Taylor Swift's transition would not have existed if Shania Twain had not laid the groundwork. Yeah. Just would not, not the way it has. Taylor Swift kind of is more of just a pop act now, though. She kind of made, like, an entire... She's entirely a pop act now. I I would say the the 1989 album 
is was like the complete transition. Yeah. Yeah. And just as an aside, that's actually a phenomenal album. I I She's, I am un, I, I I like a lot. I my my musical tastes are like literally all over the roadmap. <laughs> uh, but I I am unabashedly a fan of pop music, and it's that's just a fantastic pop album. Uh, Brad, I have to I have to good. apologize. Um, Kenny Chesney, she thinks my tractor sexy is nineteen ninety nine. I thought that was like borderline. Because the problem is like things like um things between about ninety nine and two thousand one get really blurry. Because like Disturbed, I think is two thousand, but they're not like they didn't hit in ninety nine. Yeah, I think they're two thousand. I don't. I, 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 uh... I think they're 2000, but, but uh, anyway, why don't we wrap this yeah. up? Because so this has been, boy, this has been a, this has been a rapid fire episode for, we might have to, we might have to come back. Music, mm-hmm. We might, we might have to revisit the music thing. That was a little deeper. That was a little richer of a, of a, of a, of a conversation than I thought. Yeah. I'll make a quick uh, plug on the way out. If you want to hear someone do some, Really excellent work in regards to one-hit wonders. Go to YouTube, look up Todd in the Shadows, one-hit wonderland. He does a fantastic job. And to to tie it back to wrestling, Jimmy Hart was in a one-hit wonder band in the 60s. Yes. And uh, another one-hit wonder wrote uh, one of the most iconic wrestling songs. Rick Derringer wrote Real American, the guy that wrote and performed rock and roll Hoochie Coo. No, he did too, because um, um, Demolition is Rick Derringer too. Oh, okay. Demolition. Ah, uh, yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, this has been a surprisingly uh, rapid-fire episode for us. We would love to hear from you. Are we on or off base about fries? What do you think about the 80s versus the 90s in terms of music? Please hit us up on our social media. We would love to hear from you. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.